Good morning and welcome to another episode of A Cup of Coffee with Bill. I'm excited to bring today's guest, uh, another in the continuing series I'm doing on name, image, and likeness changes around collegiate athletics. Uh, Greg Keneally is CEO and co-founder of East Coast Dyes, a popular lacrosse brand. And Greg and I uh, did some work together during my time at Major League Lacrosse. Greg, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. Yeah, Bill, thanks for having me. Really excited to go over this topic because it's so new and developing and even doing research for it, find that things have been changing even in the last week or month. So it's really interesting, a good time to talk about it. Yeah, and so we'll just jump right in. I think for the lacrosse folks, they know you and your brother's story and the story of the company. Um, Very innovative, and you guys are very good at making the athletes um, a, a big part of how your products come to life and how you showcase those. And that's why I was interested to talk to you guys. Um, But again, because this is such an evolving topic, uh, especially within the last month and the last week, uh, as we discussed before we started recording, the NCAA essentially punted and put, um, took off the table voting on NIL legislation Uh, two weeks ago. And so they're going to examine what comes next. All the while, other states are exploring um, implementing rules similar to what California and Florida have in place, allowing collegiate athletes to take advantage of their name, image, and likeness. And there are some other federal implications that are coming into play. Um, So to start how are you guys examining this issue just at a very basic level as a potential part of your marketing plan? Yeah, so we've been trying to keep tabs on it because we like to be on the forefront, the cutting edge of you know new activation, new marketing ideas. And I think we would love to be the first company in lacrosse that would be working with an athlete in this manner once the rules are public and distributed and decided on. Um, I think that it's difficult for lacrosse, right? Because if you don't have that jersey on in lacrosse with your number and your helmet and you're playing for that college team, once these guys take their helmets off, a lot of them are almost unrecognizable. You know, there's not that many people that could tell you what TD Erlin looks like mm-hmm. without a helmet. And there's obviously exceptions to that. Miles Jones is you know, Paul Rabel are the most recognizable in the sport when they're not wearing their equipment. Um, but in college, you wouldn't know who a lot of these guys are and, and what they look like. And I think some of that, is because of the restrictions that have been levied on them. There's been no reason to build their personal brand through high school and lacrosse because there was no benefit. So I think over the next decade, you could see that that changes. But um, with lacrosse, it's a big challenge because if you say you can't have the guy in his college jersey um, or any school marks, et cetera, um, there's a lot of questions about how much value that's really going to bring to a brand. Right. And Looking at it from the lacrosse perspective, I want to say, at least in my view, and knowing how much video work you do at the youth level and uh, in some ways on the college level, I think lacrosse players are some of the better people in this generation of players. I'll say that my generation, your generation, are we weren't always the best about promoting ourselves and building a personal brand. You, you're an exception to the rule with what you guys started out with. But 
how how do you look at the value of what just an individual player because these kids are so good today either at finding ways to cut together tape of themselves or um, they bootstrap it and they do it all on their own so they can get out into the marketplace how are you looking at the content an individual athlete can produce what kind of value are you putting on that knowing that you guys are content machines yourselves yeah, so we look at like, um, you know, Mitchell Pelkey, for example, who arguably has done the best job of any college lacrosse player of building his own brand, maybe him and Stelios. Um, and once he's done with four years of building that brand as a pro player, he's going to have significantly more value. I always did a lot of research on LeBron James or Cristiano Ronaldo. And, um, you know, they break down these billion dollar lifetime brand deals with Nike, which seem to make no sense at face level, but when these marketing companies go through and they analyze it very closely, uh, the number of posts and impressions are that are about Nike, um, they make their money back in no time at all. Uh, because if you have a following, you can do advertising that's more organic and reaches more people specifically, reaches a target audience, and that money is paid back for sponsorship fees very quickly. So I think that they can go out and say, not only am I a great player, but I'm recognizable, but I have my own channels to promote your stuff on. Um, there's a give and take relationship. Whereas right now with a lot of athletes, it is up to the brand to um, build them up, to promote them, to post their own things, where if the athlete has their own following, it's sort of a, a symbiotic back and forth relationship. So that's going to become really valuable. And I urge all these high school kids that I meet that they need to be on posting photos themselves, getting highlights cut together. And now you see that, you know, there's all these editors these high school kids um, that I talk to all the time, they have these cool little edits on their Instagram that they're not doing themselves necessarily, but somebody, uh, another kid who just loves editing up video is taking our stuff, flax.coms, chopping it up. Um, and like a Brendan O'Neill can get a quarter million views on his recruiting tape uh, through that kind of process. Right. What, going back to something you mentioned earlier, uh, one of the rules in place, again, it's, not a firm rule, but one that's very likely is um, odds are you won't be able to utilize an athlete in their school's um, marks unless you have an established relationship with that university. Uh, knowing that, what are some other things that would turn East Coast eyes off of going after college athletes as part of your marketing program? Is it not being able to have the equipment on the field? Is it not going to be able to have all of the marketing access around the athlete? What, what are some of the tripping points that would have you guys walking away from this and continuing to focus on the pro level and the other aspects of your um, marketing plan? Yeah, I think to that point, we don't have a ton of college relationships and especially not at the head level, which is where people really would have some recognition, you know, I mean, you can't tell what mesh it is on the field. So mm -hmm. if we have, uh, for example, we're to sponsor a player um, during the season, make some commercials for a new head, what have you, uh, there's some disconnect if that player talks how much about they like that head in the videos, and then they go and play on Saturdays with some other brand's head. Um, some kids will understand that that is due to a contractual obligation, but it will be really confusing uh, to a lot of players. So I think that that could be a big holdup for us is how do we convert that to ESPNU on Saturdays? You know, if we're going to make a head commercial with a college player, how does that look? 
how much work because one interesting aspect of this is it's potentially could potentially be another full-time jobs worth of work to identify college athletes and school opportunities where you might be shifting focus to capitalize on these um, legislations. How much work is the company willing to dedicate, or would you say you're willing to dedicate to trying to find these hidden gems where maybe there's an opportunity that the school has more flexible rules about a player using your product on the field so you can tie the off-field and the on, uh, on the field together? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, it is a lot of work to negotiate, find, sign schools, players. And that's why it's been kind of nice that college has been predominantly off limits to us because I didn't have to think about it, right? I could spend all my time on pro or high school content and the college just is what it was. And when they were getting ready to graduate, um, the way we approached pro athletes is that we're kind of like uh, in the background, right? I'm looking for guys who were left behind by big brands, guys who are undervalued in my opinion. Um, and that's led us to a lot of great pickups uh, like a Romar Dennis, like Connor Fields, you know, went mm -hmm. out of his senior year unsigned somehow. And we sort of hang around, let the big guys get taken off the board for big, big dollars we can't afford anyway by the big brands and look for the value picks. Um, and I think we might approach college in the same way and have, right? We uh, prefer relationships that are local because we don't have the time or the staff to fly all over the country and create this content. So if it's local, Towson U, we just resign with because it's, it's a great relationship to right down the street. That gives us more time to be able to feature them uh, and more flexibility, right? I can be out there for a story at the snap of my fingers. So I think we would look for schools and players that fit that, right? That value underappreciated level where we think we can um, take someone who's not in the spotlight and put them in the spotlight and then also local relationships to just to make our lives and their lives easier. Right. Do, do you see yourselves uh, restricting where you're looking to D1 or you a, do you feel like there are um, opportunities for value D2, D3 players? Yeah, you know, I think D3 has a lot of great stories that people are interested to a certain extent on a national level. I mean, I went uh, and did a partnership with Stevenson um, the year after they won the championship. And that was really successful for a couple of years because they had a cool story. They had some swagger and people didn't care that it was a small D3 school in um, Maryland because the content was so good and we, we made it interesting. So I think there'll be a D, D2 doesn't interest me for one reason or another. Um, I think D3 has a lot of, of, of interesting stories and rivalries. And I know there's a ton of great lacrosse in D2. Um, but like I said, we just have, don't, don't have time to think about everything. Right. Right. So D3 is somewhere where we'll focus. Um, but the players there are not brand names, obviously. So it would take a lot of work on our part to tell that story, to make them recognizable. Um, and then D1, there's probably 10 guys in a given year that people are going to recognize both the name and the image um, and be excited about to make it really worth it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And last question on the topic, what takeaways do you have from your pro endorsements that you might carry down to collegiate players when the template gets put into place and you can start looking at signing guys? 
good question because it is it is a little bit different. Um, but when we found the best engagement is when we link our relatability up to the professional players. So doing videos that aren't just featuring them, when we're able to bring our crew in together, like um, we have videos where I play corners against Miles Jones or videos where Ryan Brown was, was shooting on me. Um, sort of this, I don't want to call it pros versus Joes, but that's kind of what it is. But when, when we're bringing these players into our ECD kind of feel where it's relatable, it's down to earth, um, taking them off that like unapproachable pedestal of being right. a professional lacrosse player that nobody knows anything about um, and bringing them down. Like if you watch the Miles Jones Breaking 100 episode, we've got Mike in there like painting his hair like Miles Jones and trying to shoot fast. <laughs> like uh, it's a very grassroots very startup kind of vibe where it's not all polished content a lot of it would be peeling back the player and getting inside their lives and I think that's where it could be interesting with college right if you're not even looking at the college season if you're looking at their off season their training regiment their workouts um a, a day in the life that kind of content could be even better than um game day kind of stuff yeah that that's another aspect of it that I think there is there seems to be a lot of debate about the real value for companies behind this once you start getting away from football, basketball, other sports that have a lot of visibility. I think there's a lot of off-field and off-season content that people aren't thinking about. And like you said, the journey just to get to the field, you know, even thinking back to my experience playing D3 lacrosse, um, it's nowhere near what some of these guys at the higher levels or even at the D3 level um, are going through and experiencing when they're preparing for a season. But I think there's a lot there that can be turned into an incredible story and a great relationship with a brand. So I'm happy you brought that point up. Um, so in the moral of the story, like you told me before we started recording, there's a lot that's still left um to learn. I think everybody's still waiting to see what it is, but it is something that's on our radar. And I appreciate you sharing your point of view as you look at it from a popular lacrosse brand. Uh, so I do want to take us out on three questions I like to ask all of our guests, um, especially I feel like I still try to expose friends and colleagues to the lacrosse side of me since it has played such a big role in my life. Um, so that's why it's an exciting one for me. So Greg, first question, what are you reading right now? Uh, yeah, right now. So I'm always trying to read at least a book, right? I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've kind of converted a lot of what would be book time to podcasts. Mm -hmm. I probably listen to, I don't know, 10, 15 hours of podcasts a week. And I find that I, I've learned a lot. They range from, um, business advice, marketing to investing, um, so a lot of it's podcasts, but right now I'm reading, uh, just got this for Christmas. It's called Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. It's kind of okay. his um, memoir. And this is sort of a step out of what I would normally be learning about just to change it up a little bit, you know, and, and see a different perspective. Because normally it's like hard and fast business books, right? right. But, uh, not a lot of, uh, of, of nonfiction there. Um, and then I'm also reading Sun Tzu's Art of War for a second time. Um, which is consistently like a top 10 business pick. It's a very interesting book to read. And I think there's a lot of lessons there for people who are running their own business. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm due uh, for a reread of that, but the all of the background into what McConaughey did and has shared on the uh, the media circuit about how he wrote that book, I think he 
said he started out by taking a, an RV out to the desert with, mm-hmm. I want to say he said like 30 pounds of steak and just gallons of water. And he just started going through all of his old childhood notebooks to find the stories that he thought would work in that book. Um, it's incredible. It's on my to read list, uh, but great pick. Uh, yeah, very interesting so far. And again, different from what I would normally read, which is nice. It's always good to break it up. Um, what, uh, what are you keeping your eye on over the next three months? You can bump it out if you want to, but what do you have your eye on over the next quarter? Yeah, obviously from a lacrosse perspective, I'm reading every single college schedule that gets released as they get released. Cause I really want to see how this season is going to unfold. Um, and also, just patiently waiting high school and youth schedules for our business. College doesn't impact our sales significantly, if at all, but high school and youth is what we need to start opening. So keep an eye on vaccine rollouts, uh, what conferences are saying and how this whole season is going to play out. Um, and then from a personal level, keep my eye on the stock market in the next three months and how much you follow it, but it's been a really crazy year, but even the last three months it's gotten in the last week, I don't know if you followed what's going on with GameStop, but I wish uh, I would have held on to what I had last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just been crazy. And so I do some investing just personally for fun. Um, but just following that's been interesting. Yeah, the the GameStop uh, tale and how uh, a subreddit has influenced the entire market uh, is it's it's nuts to follow. I encourage if it, nobody has followed up on that please read about it. It's, it's crazy what's happened with that, uh, that company's value. Um, yeah. That wall street, uh, that subreddit is just crazy to read through just mind blowing. Never seen anything like it. Yeah. It's uh, if you're, you like to gamble and uh, you aren't able to get to the casinos that might be for you. <laughs> and then uh, final question we'll get out of, uh, get you out of here. Who, who are you following? What thought leaders are you paying attention to right now? Yeah. So like I said, I listen to, I get that through a lot of podcasts. Um, one I listen to consistently is uh, some stuff from Scott Galloway, who's a professor of marketing from NYU Stern and runs a couple of firms. He just talks a lot about um, business and marketing strategy in a really thoughtful way. Um, and also um, has personal advice. You know, he's an older guy who's gone through a lot in life. So I really like his insights. He has an email newsletter. Uh, he does a podcast. He does a YouTube channel. He does all this different stuff. Um, so that's one person that I listen to his podcasts weekly and read through his newsletters and look to him for a lot of advice about how business models are changing. He talks a lot about subscriptions, talks a lot about ESG. Um, so yeah, he's, he's got a lot of interesting stuff to say. All right. Excellent one. Well, Greg, I, again, thank you very much for sharing your insight on how you and the company are looking at name, image, and likeness at the collegiate level. Um, Again, a lot left to learn on that, but it's an interesting one to continue to follow, especially um, in different corners of the sports world. So thank you very much. It was good to connect with you again, and we'll see you next time, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me.